This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Drilled to center field and deep. Back on it is Eaton. To the track. To the wall. It's gone! Kevin Longoria with a two-run home run to straightaway center, and he gives the Rays a 6-4 lead here in the ninth. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. The 2-2 now. Check swing on the slider. Strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Our show today on the program. We'll chat about the past week with the rest is Destrada of Fox Sports Sun. Dewey Robinson talks about the power pitchers in the Rays system. We'll look at an impressive first two months for Jesus Sucre, chat with a red hot Rays minor leaguer in Braxton Lee, and much more, including an NFL player talking baseball. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Coming up, Fox Sports Sun's Arrestus Destrada discusses an interesting week for the Rays. That's right after this on the Rays Baseball Network. Oh, we continue on this week in Rays Baseball. Let's take a look at back at the week gone by and joining us from Fox Sports Sun, Arrestus Destrada. Oh, I mean, at this point, Rays had their win streak snapped yesterday, but still they're, they're playing better baseball and at least at 500 at this point. Listen, to look at objectively coming up to the end of uh, May to what hopefully is going to be a really strong June and finish off with a strong May here these last, you know, uh, few games, I'm pretty pleased because if you're right, you know, around four, uh, 500, goodness, with, with some of the injuries coming out of the spring training, especially to the bullpen, uh, not having Matt Duffy, you know, you're waiting on Wilson Ramos, which is a big boy bat. Um, you know, a, again, can't say enough about the bullpen being such a, a, a you know, rotation of, of pitchers, young and old, uh, or young and veteran, shall we say. Uh, I'm, I'm okay with this. Now, seeing that, seeing that said, I think you'd agree with me, we've lost some games. Not necessarily yesterday's, but we've lost some games that I think we let slip away and games that uh, we actually could have locked down. I think no doubt. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the guys that are missing. Maybe the guy they're missing the most is Brad Boxberger. I mean, the Ooh. Brad Boxberger of a couple of years ago, because if you have that in your bullpen, it moves everybody back a few outs, a few outs earlier, and allows guys to settle into maybe easier, less leveraged roles. I, I, I have to agree with you. I think two guys that have taken a while to – mend uh, I was expecting to already be here and 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 I was hoping to be already here and that was Brad Boxberger and and obviously Matt Duffy uh, Duffy would then shore up the, the, the up the middle defensive you know scenario so and listen take my hat off to Timmy Beckham the job that he's done outstanding and obviously especially offensively I think you, you would have a, a solid you know lead in there with with box and with Duffy that I think would protect a few leads and and protect some runs from scoring. And offensively, you know, even though you can't say that Matt Duffy would be able to give you what Tim Beckham has to this point in terms of the homers and ribbies, he does make more contact. And, look, that's been an issue at times for the Rays, especially when they get guys on base. 
on, at times. I mean, pretty much <laughs> quite often. Uh, it, the pace they're on is historical. Uh, is historic, excuse me, and and it's you know well beyond even the pace of what the the record. Uh, what I think it was fifteen forty three by the Brewers a few years ago. Uh, they they're you know they're on a seventeen hundred strikeout pace. It's it's, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. Let's let's hope that it gets reeled back down and let's just say they hit sixteen hundred and still break the record, but be a little more realistic. And and you're right. I don't really care about the strikeouts. I personally was a strikeout kind of guy, but I prided myself in being an RBI guy. You know, mm-hmm. whatever league I was at, I, I you know I was about trying to shore up when runners are in scoring position, especially less on third base and less than two out. I think that's something that. We can still be better at, and uh, and and then yeah, you strike out. That's kind of like the the, the nouveau thing, uh, and it has been for the last five or six years in the same metrics world. But uh, but that risk is as important as ever. No doubt, and you know if this team is to advance, I mean we talk about you know, here in the month of June, I think the big thing is that the starters have to continue to go deep. You know, Chris Archer did it two nights ago. Matt Andrees went eight innings, and hopefully Alex Cobb today, especially after uh, Jake Odorizzi really had a battle just to get through five and two-thirds on nearly 120 pitches. Yeah, that was crazy. Uh, he was very fortunate, honestly. He'll tell you himself, he's an honest uh, assessor of his, of his talents, good, bad, or indifferent, that, that he was very fortunate that that game wasn't opened up. Just like Alberto, you know, Mejia, was very fortunate that game they didn't pop five or six runs on him just right away in that second inning should have been a lot different but nevertheless you know the other four guys i think are, are looking fantastic when, when you when you're fortunate enough to slide in the rathmore ramirez the job he's done in his three starts and you look at uh and ramirez at seven and one right now with a with a, like a three one era i mean goodness teams would just you know would just kill to have a four five like that and uh shoot a one two like that you know so then when your one two threes are, are hopefully turning the corners deal uh you know I'm, I'm hoping for an exciting summer man i really am it's just stay the course stay in hunt stay close don't let any crazy two things happen number one go into some dumb slide or have some uh you know other major injuries happen to keep players uh and don't if you can you know stay away from those two things I think we'll be in, in, in contention to, to make a move. And as we look forward to, you know, the rest of this road trip, look, you get the benefit of not facing Santana and Barrios with the Twins. You get Kyle Gibson, who's an, an ERA over eight today. You, you face Texas. You don't have to see you, Darvish. And Seattle's missing King Felix and Iwakuma and Smiley. So you're going to get back ends of rotations where your lineup should be able to put up some numbers. You know, you take advantage of those situations. Like, for example, two days ago, we took advantage of a, of a Santiago that just been abysmal against lefties. We took advantage of that one. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That was there for the taking, and the lefties hit 500 and, and you know, and popped the jack on him. Mejia has had struggling control problems, didn't take advantage of, of the opportunities that he afforded. So you just go back to, the, you know, and you take advantage of a Kyle Gibson right now, Neil, that, that his walk-to-strikeout ratio is abysmal. Uh, you take advantage of a cop that seems to be on the uptick and, and hopefully can soon, you know, find the, the, the cobweb, as I call it, that, that, that great split finger of his. But the fastball curveball has been, you know, all-star level. So you have to. This is a game, you know it, you, and, and I know it, of, of day-to-day grind of taking advantage of little miscues or big scenarios like a King Felix not being there or you Darvish not being there or a Santana not being there. You have to capitalize and take series. Yes, it's it's not who you play, really. Sometimes it's when you play them, and, and the Rays are getting this <laughs> at the right time. No doubt. I love it. And, I, and I'm loving the team is, is extremely, extremely uh, resourceful, deeper than, than I remember a Rays team being now for a couple of years. And really, you know, I'd have to go back 
and the resourcefulness and the depth of, of, of a team. And that was that the last playoff team in, in 13. Um, I like I like the makeup of the team. I'm going to be candid with you. I really do. And, uh, and I think it has major potential. But, you know, things change on a dime in the major levels, whether it's injury or, or production. So you got to stay the course. Indeed. Oh, good stuff. Good luck with the broadcast today, and we'll talk to you soon. Go Rays, buddy. Thanks, Neil. Great job. That is Orestes Destrada of Fox Sports Sun. Now, we touched on the bullpen a bit, which now has four relievers that were elsewhere opening day, among them power arms like Jose Alvarado and Ryan Stanek, and I asked minor league pitching coordinator Dewey Robinson about that. Well, I look at it this way, Neil. My job is to give Matt Silverman, the staff here, Kevin, Jim Hickey, Stan Borowski, a pool of pitchers to pick from. You know, not just one or one or two. It's... it. It's always good if they have a choice of three or four guys to pick from because if it's if it's just one and he's not ready or he's not doing well or he's he's injured, um, then we're in trouble. So my goal is, like I said, is always to have a few or even several. And in the last year or two, uh, at our upper levels in the minor league system, Durham and Montgomery, we have more. Uh, it's just uh, it's a nice selection of guys that I think in the, in the next continuing this year and next year we're going to have a nice group of guys that they can choose from and you know beyond the two that we mentioned you've got kids in the upper levels whether it's Diego Castillo Ian Gabo Yoel Espinal who's involved who's evolved this year and even a kid you just got from Detroit Andrew Smith who all throw in the upper 90s is this the most power arms you guys have had in the bullpen that since you've been here I would say so yes um just throughout our system, we're doing a few different things that we haven't done in the past with uh, uh, weighted balls, and, and uh, we call it a plyo program, and our strength and conditioning staff and our training staff are the best. So we're getting a little more velocity out of guys, so it's an uptick not only on the guys that we're getting into our system, but the guys that we have in our system is, has been, I would have to say, that's, that's part of it, yes. And not only that, but you, you look, you've converted some guys. Ryan Stanek is a conversion guy from a starter. We didn't mention Jamie Schultz, who's, who's injured right now and coming back from a groin injury. But, you know, you moved Chiwei Hu and Austin Pruitt to the bullpen. How hard is that decision, and when, do you, when is the right time to make the decision, starter or reliever? And once they go from starter or reliever, can you move them back, or, or is that a hard thing to do? Well, I want to start with um, I think most organizations – will put the better arms in the rotation, especially at the lower levels, to make sure they get regular work, get plenty of innings, they get work with the pitching coach uh, to, to tweak things and to, to develop. My rule of thumb is pretty much when you start getting a double A, we call it the men's league, um, to really start to identify how he's going to fit on a major league club, what is his value is or what is his strengths going to be. And when a guy has uh, two power pitches and that's pretty much it, you know, that plays pretty well at the major league level. And especially with Stanek and Alvarado, those guys are, you know, in the high 90s and they have uh, pretty darn good breaking balls. So power stuff where they're going to go an inning, an inning plus, maybe two innings, where they're not going to face, uh, go through the order twice. They're just going to face, face it once at max. And usually it's four or five hitters at the most. And you've got some other guys, though. You know, I mentioned who and Pruitt, you know, guys who may throw in the low or mid-90s in whose case, but who also 
I guess, can even go longer than that, can give you three innings at a time. How, how critical is that in today's game? Oh, it's very critical. And we've targeted guys to be able to do that. And uh, I don't want to uh, minimize the fact that, you know, our Durham club has been outstanding. If you look at some of the numbers on the pitching side, it's it's utterly ridiculous. Our strikeout rate is we're going to break an all-time record in that league. And you can just go right down the list from our starters with, you know, Faria's been there, Honeywell, Yarbrough, they've been there all all year. And then you get into the bullpen like the guys you're talking about, Pruitt and who, and uh, I know I'm going to forget some names, but it's pretty darn good. It's loaded. And, uh, again, it gives Kevin... Matt Silverman more choices to pick from. And how much of the decision about moving guys from start to pen has to do with the depth you have in the rotation? Because now with DeLeon coming back, you have a lot of depth. Well, yes, that's that's a good point. It's it's based on need, too. And, and I'll use Jose Alvarado as an example. He was a reliever in AA, and we jumped him to the big leagues because when Sandanio got hurt, we really didn't have a whole lot of options with left-handed relievers. And um, he stepped in and has done very well up to this point. So it can be based on need. And, and we did, we were a little light in the bullpen this year. And the organization felt that Who and Pruitt uh, and, and Schultz were guys that uh, could come right immediately to the big leagues and help out of the bullpen. That is minor league pitching coordinator Dewey Robinson now coming up. One of the guys catching the power arms in the bullpen, Jesus Sucre, after this on the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on This Week in Rays Baseball, and our feature guest right now is catcher Jesus Sucre. Jesus, first of all, thanks very much for joining us. No, thank you. Thank you, guys, for this opportunity over here today. It's kind of impressive me over here. And you've had great opportunities so far with the Rays. What have you enjoyed most about being with this organization so far? I mean... Everybody knows I'm 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 doing my team right now, you know. Everything is doing well for me right now and and, and that's really good, you know, and enjoys all these good things with with Samba base. It, it's been really good every time we win a game. Every time we lose we every every time that we we continually stay together and and and, and I think we're going to be okay. Is this been as much fun as you've had playing at the major league level? Yeah, yeah, I think. I mean, when I was playing with Seattle, I don't really got this opportunity like I have right now here with Tampa, and and, and I really enjoy it. I really enjoy it because everything is doing great right now, and then it makes me really feel really good. We talked about it in spring training. How surprised were you, though, when you first were told you were with a new organization? Yeah, I mean, it's not easy when they told you, like, two weeks before spring training, hey, you got traded, you know, your mind is everything changed and and then um, I mean I was kind of happy because I know Seattle signed Carlos Ruiz and and I I know I don't gonna have any chance to make the team over there and then it was kind of surprised me but you know I was feeling pretty good because I know that I have a good chance to make a Tampa Bay team. You obviously may have made very good impressions here as you did there with Felix Hernandez, can you tell me what it was like catching him and when that first started? Oh, I, I don't, I don't even know when, when was my first time when I catch Felix, but that was one of the big things that I haven't done in the big list. Catching that guy for me is, I mean, everybody knows he's he's one of the biggest guys in in, in the major league, and then I really enjoy it. I really enjoy it. The whole time when I was with Seattle, he was kind of nice to me, nice guys to me. Yes, 
I mean, I can say that he's he's like my brother right now. His family and my family, they was together. They they keep talking right now, and I always talk to him, and it's it's great experience. Would it be hard to hit against him for you? <laughs> <laughs> I can wait. I can wait. If if it happened. I mean, I know what he got, I know what he's trying to do, and I know how he's pitching, but it's, it's still, it's still, for me, like I said, he's he's one of the big, one of the best in the big league, so, but I, I think it's going to be fun if they give me that chance to face Felix. We watch and see when Seattle had the king and his court, you know, at their stadium. What was that like to play in that when he was pitching? I'm, I'm not going to lie, my first time when I was catching him, it's, it's like, 5,000 people over there in the Kings course, and I was I was nervous. I was nervous. I was not going to lie. First time when I heard that thing, like, K, 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 I was like, oh, man, this ball is going to go on the ground, and you better block the ball. <laughs> but that's fun. That's fun. Hear that thing in Seattle. And I would assume you've played a lot of winter ball. Yes. Is, is it at all like anything you saw in winter ball? I think winter ball is, is, is a little more crazy. You know, the fans get crazy starting drop like bad words to you and <laughs> and uh, it's not fun it's not fun down there when you're not doing good down there and winning ball but i love it i play like most every year down there and 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 that's good for me you know make you make you get ready for spin training now when again growing up in venezuela when did you start playing baseball how old were you and who got you to play i was i was uh six years old and one person that I really appreciate was as, as my mom, and I know she's looking me from over there. She passed away a couple of years ago, and she was the more person that kind of pushing me like every day, every single day. Hey, I want you to be a baseball player. I want you to be a baseball player. She was a softball player, and I think that's why she she kind of pushing me to be a baseball player, and. I'm, now I kind of, I mean, she's not with me right now, but I, I kind of enjoy this moment over here, and I know she's looking at me from over there. Is she, was she a catcher too, or were you always a catcher? No, I was, I was, uh, my whole, my whole uh, career, so as a literally, I was infield. I was playing shortstop, and I was playing third base. And then one time when I was, uh, kind of grew up trying to get signed by some somebody, uh, I remember one scout came to me and like, hey, Sucre, you know, you got good arm and you can be a catcher. And then all I want is, you know, play a baseball as a professional. And then I told one of the one of my guys that the one I was uh, practice, like, hey, man, I wanna I wanna be signed by somebody else. Let's do something different. And then I started catching when I was uh, 16. I wasn't easy though. I, I mean. I got the opportunity to, to practice with Ramon Hernandez because he's from where I'm from, and he's really helping me a lot. And then, like, six months later, I got signed by the Braves, went to Dominican and all that stuff, and it was cool. It was cool. What was the hardest part about becoming a catcher and the adjustment in learning? It's, it's not easy. To, I mean, I know a lot of players came from like infielder and then they converted to catcher like Robinson Chirinos I know him and me and him we together we talk a lot about catching his staff and, and I mean when I know him uh, my first time I don't even know that he was a shortstop and then I think the hard the hard part is convert the infield as a catcher is it's not easy to get down there and 
catch like 96, 98 miles an hour, especially when you first time you go to the minicamp and see all the young guys on there. They don't, sometimes they don't even know where the ball is going. It's, for me, that's the hard part of being a catcher. Who was your favorite catcher to watch growing up? You know, you mentioned Robinson Chirinos and Ramon Hernandez, but who in the big leagues have you been always a big fan of? I got three catchers. Three catchers growing up. Uh, the first one is from Puerto Rico, as Post Rodriguez was the amazing guy that I always, you know, uh, watching him throw, watching cold games. He was one of the best hitters to catch it, I think. And the other two guys, uh, Henry Blanco, he was tremendous defense. I, I love him. <laughs> Most of the time he throw everybody out in second. And, and the last one was from Hernandez. He was the first guy that I really talked to me about catching his staff, and I really appreciate that. Have you talked to him a lot since you've been here? Yeah, yeah. He, he always watched my games, and, and he's going to be my bench coach and, and winning ball this year. So he's, uh, I, I, I keep talking to him every single time, and he's the one that gives me those kind of tips. Uh, sometimes he's watching the game. When I'm doing something wrong, he's kind of giving me a call, and, and hey, buddy, you're doing this, and, and, and that's big. That's big for me. How has it been with Jamie Nelson, too? Because I've heard good things about how hard he works people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really appreciate what Nelly does to me every single day. He's like, he's like, every fifth inning when I'm not playing, he's coming to me. Hey, let's go to the cage. Let's do something. He always, you know, want me trying to get me ready if something happened. You know, I'm I'm ready. And it happened a couple of days ago, a couple of times already. You know, like sometimes as a catcher and you have somebody playing over there, you're not really paying attention. You're just watching the game and. And you know, as being a backup, you know you gotta get ready. You gotta stay stay ready because something happened. You get you're gonna you're going in, and you gotta stay ready. How much has his staff? How much? How fun has his staff been to catch? You've got a lot of a lot of young arms, but a lot of really talented arms. That's really good. That's really good. I mean, like you say, we had a lot of young guys over here, especially they like Alvarado, <laughs> Steiny. They're not easy to catch. I was talking to Dino the other day, and I was like, hey, Dino, I got a question for you, my man. Like, what happened? Hey, did you okay when you catch our brother? And he's like, Papi, the first day I was, I'm not going to lie, I was scared. And I was like, man, me too, because, you know, that guy is, is huge. He's, he looks so big in the mountain. He throws so hard. And, it's, it's a scary, it's a scary, man. I, I really am enjoying these guys over here. They, they're really good. They're doing good right now. And and, and I believe if the starting pitchers been doing what they've been doing over here, we're going to be okay. Has, how is it meant for your family to have this opportunity, too? Because you've had your family here the whole season, since the end of spring training. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, you know, you're all you all, all I want in my career is, is doing good because I got a, a five-year-old little kid and he knows a lot about baseball. And every time when I'm not doing good, he's, he's like, Dad, let's go. What happened? And, you know, every time I go out and I'm just trying to get some hit, trying to do better. So he feels good about it. And, 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 you know, good thing is my wife. She always, you know, take care of me, helping me out and, you know, in baseball, you're going to have good days and bad days. And so she's, she really supports me a lot, and, and, and that's nice. I think everyone notices your defense, but you told me in spring training, Ozzie Timmons really helped you with your offense. He's the AAA hitting coach. What did he do to help you? I mean, I keep talking to Ozzie. Uh, I really talked to him a couple days ago, and he's, 
he's he's been happy when I when I the, the, all the things that I've been doing over here. Yeah, I'm, I made Hossi, uh down there in Venezuela, and, and and I got a different stance when I was uh, when I was with Seattle. And as soon as I got there, he's he just be nice to me and came to me and like, hey Suki, I want you to do this, and and he just turned turned my pay like right away like hey it's okay i want you to do late kick and i want you to put your hands over here and and after he do that my man i'm, I'm not gonna lie i was raking down there in venezuela i was doing good you guys saw what happened in spin training uh, and i really take what i did in spin training over here and it's feel really good man it's feel really good i mean i never i i know i don't have so many appearances on the big list in the last couple of years but it's, it feels really different when you're doing good and, and, and when you really help your team win games and all that stuff. I'm sure. When you're not playing baseball, obviously you love your family. What else do you like to do to relax? I mean, what I live, what I live back in Venezuela, <clears throat> I live around the ocean. So all I all I do is go out and fish with my family, and you know, we might we might go like two or three times every week up to the beach. Have you fished here yet in Florida? I haven't. I haven't gone. I mean, I know we have day off the other day, but I was trying to take my kids to Orlando Disney over there. But after the foul tip that I took in Cleveland, I was like, man, I'm sorry about it. <laughs> Not going anywhere. I don't want to walk around with this thing over here. Well, hopefully another off day in the future, you get to enjoy some fishing, continue to enjoy success with the Rays, and we appreciate a few minutes. I really, I really appreciate what you guys do to me over here. Thank you. That's Jesus Sucre joining us in this week in Race Baseball. We continue right after this on the Race Baseball Network. Neil Solon's with you back on this week in Race Baseball. Time now to look at things on the minor league side and joining us from the Montgomery Biscuits, the guy who's been on quite a run, outfielder Braxton Lee. Braxton, thanks for joining us. No problem. Tell me about this year for you because you, uh, two years ago, were the defensive player of the year. Last year, you had some offensive struggles in Montgomery. And this year, the numbers are nearly opposite of what they were a year ago. What's the big difference? Um, I mean, the main main big difference is, honestly, it's just confidence. Last year was my first year in AA, and just being there is kind of, I wouldn't say a huge step, like, baseball-wise, but more more mentally trying to learn the game in, in different ways. And kind of, I was thinking way too much last year, thinking, like, oh, my gosh, I'm here already can't believe this is happening so it was kind of like almost almost being starstruck like wow I'm, I'm already here it's my time to shine let me try to do this or do that and I tried a little bit too much last year and then from this year uh, just talking to a few other people uh, like teammates it, it hadn't been really like mechanics it's been more of hey act like this is a wiffle ball in the backyard and go out there and swing it so it's kind of it's a, it's a lot less thinking, and it's just going out there and playing hard every day and having fun, not getting mad when I get out or this and that. So, I mean, it, it's a lot more with just more the mental side than any of the physical things. So to kind of clarify, you know, you got to the off season after obviously a year that, you know, you were disappointed with the performance offensively, but you really didn't change any mechanics in your swing or, or do anything different physically to prep for this year? Honestly, no. The only big physical thing was raising my hands a tad bit and then other than that it's just I step into the box and I think okay here it comes just get ready to hit it and then just to make sure to be on time for the fastball but uh other than that like I told you me and a few teammates uh Green and Getsman actually told me he was, I was like dang you're swinging it good and he was like what I was like what are you thinking he's like I honestly just get up there and think it's wiffle ball 
So, I mean, the, the first uh, first at bat of the game, I get up there and I tell myself, be ready. Uh, first at bat and just act like it's wiffle ball, just like in the backyard. Go out there and have fun, and no matter what happens, just can't be disappointed as long as I play my best. Physically, are you any different? Um, I mean, the one thing that has changed with your numbers uh, beyond the on-base percentage and the batting average, you've hit your first two uh, professional home runs. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> then again, honestly, physicality has nothing to do with it. It's just more of, like I said, it was like last year I might have been guessing a lot and thinking, oh, what, what pitch is going to be thrown. And this year I remember the, the two home runs I hit, I was like, okay, come on, let's drive the ball somewhere. And I just remember thinking – all right, fastball down the middle, just be ready for it. And then I just take a good, smooth swing, and I happen to hit it right, and they both go out. So, I mean, I don't really think it has anything to do with physical because, I mean, I weigh the same, I'm the same height, nothing nothing of that nature has changed. I know uh, you're not known as a home run hitter, so did you get teased or silent treatment in the dugout when you got your first? Or um, I, didn't, I didn't get silent treatment, but, I mean, it was – it was more of like, oh my God, Braxton just hit a home run, <laughs> and it was and it was crushed pretty good. So I mean, it, it was more shock and awe than anything. <laughs> the one thing I, w- I would say that is impressive from afar is that you know what I had heard, despite your you know issues offensively last year, it did not affect you defensively. How much pride do you take in the defense that you play, Braxton? Oh, I take I take a lot of pride. It's just like me and Brady, our manager, was talking about it yesterday. He's like, you just don't see those defensive guys in the outfit anymore it's kind of like slacked off for me I've never felt that it's been that way just because like I said I play hard I like playing hard in the outfit I like making those plays because it's just a a rush of adrenaline it's like kind of dunking the ball in basketball so I mean it's it's fun to throw people out make diving plays it gets everybody hyped and uh turns turns the tide of the game for the pitcher sometimes whenever you do that and it it really helps it's really a team thing so uh doing that and being able to do that for the team is is a great feeling well you say you don't see it a lot anymore except in this organization where defense is valued so much how much attention do you pay to what they do at the big league level whether it's kk and center or susie and right or now even colby rasmus and left oh a bunch it's just i mean yeah other than other than our organization we do take a lot of pride defensively and i make sure in bp to take my read and all that and yeah we always see those highlights and I remember growing up until this day that I always watch highlights of outfielders I watch more highlights of outfield than I do of like people hitting walk-off home runs or anything like that just because it's it's something it's almost it's not natural for that to happen all the time and for people to have 15 assists and make these awesome catches I mean who else I mean who wouldn't want to see that that's that's pretty awesome where do you want to continue to excel this year, and where do you want to continue to grow? Obviously, you've had a tremendous first two months, but when you looked at this upcoming season beyond relaxing and playing your game, where did you want to take your game to the next step? Uh, I mean, still, I want to take it to the next step at the plate. I mean, I've, I've for myself, I've always thought I was a great hitter. I mean, last year was a little slump, and uh, but I would still like to excel in that and just get my game to the next level right there, and then with stealing the bases. I can always improve on that. That's something that I can make sure I can work on every day. Same with hitting, just like making sure I'm locked in for every pitch and don't think about the the one uh, before, but think about the next one. So I can always make sure that I uh, stay locked in on stealing the bases, running the bases hard, and uh, just making sure I'm always staying locked in at the plate because, I mean, that's defensively, that'll 
get me to the bigs, but I, I also want to make sure that um, hitting is another huge thing because, I mean, I want to be able to someday hopefully people say, oh, that guy was a great hitter as long as defensively too. So, And from a base stealing standpoint and a base running standpoint, where are the things you need to improve the most and what types of things are you working on? Um, mainly just getting that good jump and good read, not not stealing on guys that are like a 1-1 to the plate where I get thrown out by five feet. And not not really rushing it, just making sure that I'm relaxed on the base pass and I'm not trying to do too much. Because early on in the year, I, I think I got thrown out like five times and it's like I kept telling myself, okay, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go. And that wasn't really working. And then Brady was like, all right, slow it down. For the next three, let's make sure you get safe on the next three. And then from there, we'll take it there. So we slowly just started going from that point. Good strides you've made this year, obviously. Continued success on the base paths. Uh, in the field and at the plate, and we certainly appreciate a few minutes on this week in Rays baseball. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. That's outfielder Braxton Lee of the Montgomery Biscuits hitting 320. He's reached base in 34 of his last 35 games. It's the unofficial beginning of summer this weekend, and again this year we'll have another season of Rays Rookies, a kid show on Fox Sports Sun. I spoke with co-host Kayla and asked her how she got into the show, which is now in its third year. Um, when I first got the audition to host, um, it was just hosting for a baseball show, so I didn't even know it was for the Rays. And I love baseball, and so I was super excited to even audition. And then two months later, I found out that I booked it, and it was for the Rays, and I freaked out. I was so excited. And just, you know, filming with them is a complete blessing, and it's a lot of fun, so I enjoy it. Have you always wanted to get into acting, and what have you enjoyed most about doing this project? So acting, I was involved, you know, in acting when I was really little and modeling and stuff, um, but I didn't start taking it seriously until about junior year of high school. I think my favorite part about it is doing it with my brother because he's also in acting and modeling, and so doing it alongside him is probably my favorite part. This is the third year you're doing the show for the race, Race Rookies, so what have you learned as you've gone on and what's been the most fun about it? I look forward to many years to come, hopefully, with Race Rookies. Um, the number one thing that I love about doing it is doing it alongside my co-host, Zach. Um, he's a lot of fun, and we play off each other really well, and um, he makes the show. So <laughs> I like him a lot. And how about the players? I mean, what's it like and what's been fun about getting to know the players and really giving kids an inside look at who these guys are? The players are incredible, and it's one thing to you know watch them play, and it's another thing to sit down with them one-on-one and just play fun games and find out fun facts about them and stuff. And, you know, it makes watching the games a lot more enjoyable knowing, you know, Blake Snell has 200-plus pairs of shoes and fun stuff like that. So um, getting to know the guys has been a lot of fun. Have you learned a lot too? Yes. (laughs) I thought I knew baseball, but, you know, being alongside these guys has definitely um, increased my knowledge about baseball for sure. And for the kids who are going to watch the show, there are a lot of other segments. I mean, you teach them a little bit about Spanish and, and, and science and everything else associated with baseball. Yeah, there's tons of segments. It's not just fun and games. You know, there's education and um, there's stuff for all age groups, you know. So adults watch it. Kids watch it. I watch it. <laughs> so you learn a lot. That is Kayla, who along with Zach co-host Ray's Rookies, coming this summer to Fox Sports Sun. This week at the Trop, we met Tampa Bay Bucks first-round pick O.J. Howard right after he signed his contract. Howard, who threw out a first pitch, actually has quite a baseball background. I first asked O.J., though, about what it meant to sign. You know, it's very exciting. You know, that's something that a day you always dream of, to uh, finally sign your contract to the NFL. And uh, to finally do that today uh, was a really good feeling for me. And you also had gotten, what, the mini camps out of the way, too? What was that like? 
Uh, the mini counts was just, you know, a uh, learning process for me. You know, once I tried to get a, a hang of the playbook, still learning it. But uh, it was good just to go out there and try to, you know, at least get a feel for it to see the speed of the game and just to learn the playbook a little bit. Obviously, you're a tremendously talented football player, but I understand you were a pretty good baseball player too, yes? Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, you know, I grew up playing baseball. I was one of the first sport I ever played, you know, so I love it. And uh, it's a big-time sport for me. Tell me what turned you on to the game of baseball and what made you switch. Obviously, you've got great size. It certainly helps yeah. in football. You know, just being able to come out here and, like, you know, uh, to be able to make plays, you know, like with your bat, also in the field to play. You know, I just I love doing that. Uh, that's what really excited me the most, you know. Um, you know, when the game is on the line, making a clutch hit to win the game. You know, I, I just love the moments like that with baseball. Growing up, what players did you admire the most and why? Uh, you know, I was a big, uh, you know, Braves fan kind of. You know, I, I watched uh, Andrew Jones, you know, watched a little bit of Chipper Jones. You know, uh, Barry Bones was a guy I really love. And, of course, everybody loves Derek Jeter. So uh, those are just some of the few guys I grew up watching. And how about now? Who do you like watching? Obviously, you're going to become yeah. a Rays fan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, you know, I'm from Montgomery, so the Biscuits is one of you guys' organizations. So I got to see Evan Longoria growing up a little bit, too, down there. So, you know, I'm a big fan of Evan. And also, you know, um, you know, right now, you know, the young guys like Bryce Harper and Mike Trout, those are guys that I just, you know, always, they catch my eye when they play. So to throw out a first pitch at a game that Mike Trout's playing in, in the outfield, what does that mean to you? Hey, it's special. You know, that's something I probably always remember. Give me a scouting report on O.J. Howard as a baseball player. What, what comps would you give me? Well, this guy, he's a lefty, you know, throws righty, and, uh, you know, he got, he got a good bat. So I, I wouldn't put the ball any, anywhere inside and high. And I'll try to keep it away from him. But, um, you know, in, in the field of play, anything that's coming close, I'm going to make a play on it. Obviously, you've evolved into a tremendously talented football player, and, and we're looking forward to watching you play for the Tampa Bay Bucks. But was there ever really a choice for you? And, and when did baseball kind of end? Yeah, well, you know, my 11th grade year, I, I kind of knew that, uh, you know, I was going to play football Alabama. So, uh, you know, I kind of knew then that I wanted to just go with that route, go to college and try to, you know, play football for Nick Saban in the tie. And that's when I knew then that, you know, it's probably going to come to an end. And I'm guessing that having played at as high a level as you did, you know, into 11th grade at high school, that you realized how difficult this game is to play at even higher levels. Absolutely. Definitely really difficult. You know, I think uh, once you take a time off like I have done, you know, it's kind of hard to get back into it. But anything's possible, you know. So uh, I've seen guys do it, but it's, it's really difficult, though. You appreciate the Bo Jacksons, the Deion Sanders, the guys who actually did both. Yeah, absolutely. Those guys are incredible athletes. It takes uh, really good you know, talent to do this. Well, you've got pretty good talent in your own right. Congratulations on signing on the dotted line. We look forward to watching you over on the other side of the bay. Yes, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. And that is Bucks first-round pick O.J. Howard, who obviously is a pretty big baseball fan. O.J. said he likes Mike Trout. Well, the Rays' Peter Borges played with Trout while with his original team, the Angels. And I asked Peter this week about what was it like playing his original team. It's been three years, four years since I was traded from there, but you know it was—it still—it uh, still seems like that's always going to, you know, have a special place in my heart. It's going to feel like home. You know, as an organization that drafted me, I came up with them, played three and a half years in the big leagues, so it's cool to see all the guys and play against them. But I don't—it's another game. You know, we're trying to go out there and win. Who or what are your best memories in that organization, though? What stands out? You know, just probably coming up with—you know—we had. There's a lot of guys I came up with that I ended up playing in the big leagues with. It was Trombo and Conger, and then there's some pitchers that came up along with us, Walden and Chatwood. There, it was just a good group of guys, and we all kind of broke in around the same time. So, you know, being able to go out there play every day, the first couple of years was phenomenal. And you know, then getting to play for Soch, and then getting to see Mike Trout come up and do what he did, it was pretty special. For you personally, what were the best moments? Um, probably 2011. That was probably my best year there. You know, I I played every day, played well. And, you know, I look back at that was by far the best year I had there. 
Are there any games or moments that stick out on the field? Obviously, the first ever call-up, I'm sure, stands yeah. out. Yeah, absolutely. Probably the first hit in Baltimore, making my debut there. Um, I want to say probably in 2011, you know, I think I hit, I was tied for the league, lead league in triples. So hitting that, I hit hit in Toronto, left center. That was pretty special. And then robbing a few home runs here or there. there so. You watched Mike Trout do that, too. When you he first came up, did you really think he was going to be this good? You know, it seems like he keeps getting better, so it's tough to answer, but I, you knew he was going to be one of the best players to play the game. I don't think you looked at it of all time, but I think in this generation you would have said that, and the way things are going is going to go down probably if he continues at this pace as one of the best players to ever play this game. Uh, the talent was there. The maturity was there when he was 19. You could see the, the play dif- discipline in the batter's box, the way he handled himself. So it's, I'm not surprised that he's doing what he's doing, but it, it's crazy how quick it's come. For you, seeing him, was there an aha moment where you went, wow, that's special? You know what? It was probably it was probably his rookie year. So he got called up in 2011 and played kind of inconsistently or sparingly. And not that he struggled, he still looked really good in the box. And then when he came back in 12 and won the rookie of the year, I want to say it was when he robbed J.J. Hardy of a home run in right center. You know, that really put him on the map not I think more nationally than we are we already knew what he could do and who he was as a player defensively and offensively but it seemed like it put him on the on the map you know nationally when he made that catch what was he like as a teammate though because I've heard really good things there too yeah he's great you know he just blended into the clubhouse like a normal guy like you never know you know it was Mike Trout the best player right now he was awesome you know he did worked hard went about his business the right way joked around and it was easy going that is Peter Borges on his former teammate Mike Trout, whom he saw this week when the Angels came to Tropicana Field. Now, next weekend across the game, Major League Baseball is hosting Playball Weekend. It's a free event to encourage kids to have fun. The Rays will be at the West Tampa Little League on Saturday, June 3rd for this free event. And joining us from the group, we are partnering with Mark Sokolowski, Executive Director of the Positive Coaching Alliance. Mark, what can you tell us about this event? Yeah, thank you for having me, Neil. And, you know, first off, I'd just like to thank the Tampa Bay Rays for the great partnership with Positive Coaching Alliance. It's fantastic to be able to partner on an event like the one coming up on Saturday, June 3rd at West Tampa Little League. The event itself is Play Ball Day. It's an opportunity for us to celebrate baseball broadly throughout the entire Tampa Bay community, but specifically to celebrate baseball and the rich baseball history that exists in West Tampa. For for our audience who may not know, give us a better idea as to that history and, and why it's so important. Yeah, West Tampa Little League is where the event's going to be hosted on Saturday, June 3rd. The rich baseball history in West Tampa runs deep. It's part of the culture there. You know, one of the fields at West Tampa Little League is named after former Rays manager Lou Pinella. You know, the fields that the kids are going to be playing on on Saturday are fields that have been played on by Fred McGriff, by Luis Gonzalez, by Tino Martinez. You know, kids that played on the, you know, uh, professionals that played on those fields when they were kids that had dreams and aspirations of becoming major leaguers and made those dreams and aspirations come true through their hard work and effort. So it's just great that we can bring baseball and major league baseball to West Tampa for a day and celebrate that rich baseball history. And for parents who bring their kids out on June 3rd, what types of, or or what's the event going to look like for them? Yeah, play ball day is fantastic because there's something for kids of all ages. For the little guys, uh, we're going to have a t-ball tournament that's kids are going to be participating in we're going to have bounce houses music dj kitty's going to be there and raymond's going to be there so lots of activities for the little kids but we're also going to have activities for the older kids we've got uh, members of the race coaching staff are going to be on site to provide instruction for kids boys and girls 
and it's important that we're including girls in this initiative, are going to have the opportunity to get instruction from race baseball coaches. We're even going to have a home run hitting contest, which is going to be a lot of fun for boys and girls. The, the importance of the play ball program is it ties to the Positive Coaching Alliance. What's the message that you're trying to get out this time of year? So what's great about the play ball program is that it celebrates participation in baseball and softball among boys and girls of all ages. What's fantastic is because of the partnership with the Tampa Bay Rays, they've included Positive Coaching Alliance in the initiative of this year, this year because so much of what Positive Coaching Alliance focuses on is getting kids involved in sports and then giving them positive coaching to ensure they want to stay in sports. So much of what happens on the youth baseball field shapes uh, a, a, a young child's life, and we want to make sure that the coaches that are working with kids are always keeping it positive, being encouraging, and making sure, most importantly, the little kids have fun so that they'll keep coming back. This is one Mark Sokolowski of the Positive Coaching Alliance. The race summer camp coaches, again, will be helping with that free event. Kevin Kiermeyer may be on the road while that's going on, but Kiermeyer is in strong support of the play ball program. Kids need to be active as, as much as they can and um, you know that just all goes from um, doing whatever type of exercise or playing sports whatever that may be um, you know all of us you know 2017 we know how big all the video games and stuff like that are and you know you, kids can still have fun with that I get how it is and you know all the trends and everything but at the same time um, exercising and, and being active is, is very cool too so uh, you know, that's the message. Just be active any way you can and, um, you know, do your body good in, in that way to, uh, you know, perform very various activities any way possible. And um, that's what we're trying to spread. When you were a kid in that, let's say, 8 to 14-year-old category when you were starting in sports, how active were you and what was a typical Kevin Kiermeyer day after school? Oh, man, my, my activity levels was uh, through the roof. I I've never been a video game guy, um, so I think that just, you know, me being outside all the time was something that I love doing, and, uh, you know, still to this day, I, I love being active and, and staying busy one way or another, and I love keeping my body in shape and and uh, doing it good because my body loves when I'm moving around and, and staying active, but, uh, you know, me being younger, I mean, I, I couldn't wait to get home from school, whether it was playing football or baseball, catching my brother, shooting hoops in the driveway. Uh, whatever it may be, but I was always outside. And even when it would rain back when I was super young, I'd play in the rain and play in all the puddles and always make something out of uh, any situation life threw at me. But, you know, I was, my mom was always doing laundry for us kids because we were always getting dirty outside. And, you know, I, I wouldn't trade anything for the childhood I have and I had and um, the, the amounts of various activities I did throughout the, the whole thing. That is one Kevin Kiermeyer on the Play Ball program. The free Rays event runs from 10 to noon this coming Saturday, June 3rd, over at the West Tampa Little League. That's at 2000 North Jamaica Street. Thanks to Kevin Kiermeyer and all the guests on the show today, including Arrestus Destrada of Fox Sports Sun, as well as Dewey Robinson, Rays minor league pitching coordinator, catcher Jesus Sucre, who starts today for the Rays, minor league outfielder Braxton Lee, who's on quite a run with Double A Montgomery, Kayla from Rays Rookies, O.J. Howard, the top pick this year of the Tampa Bay Bucks, Peter Borges, Rays outfielder and former Angel, talking about his former team, and Mark Sakalowski, again, of the Positive Coaching Alliance. Hey, the Rays are playing the Oakland A's Saturday, June 10th, not once but twice. Enjoy the Rays doubleheader for the price of a single admission, and the first 15,000 fans get a Matt Duffy double play bobblehead presented by Spectrum. Visit RaysBaseball.com today 
raise up. If you ever have something you want to hear on the show, all you have to do is tweet me at Neil Solons. Next week's program includes memories of Don Zimmer, plus an interview with Erasmo Ramirez. For my producer, Len Martez, Neil Solon, stay, stay tuned. The pregame show is coming up next. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Driven in the air to center field. Kiermaier going back at the wall, jumps up and makes the catch. If you missed any of the show, catch it on archive at RaysBaseball.com slash radio. Driven in the air to right field and deep, turning a springer back to the wall. This one is gone. Home run.